0: Hello, friends, and welcome to part one of our 2023 Masters Preview here on Nice Grass, Nice People. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the best week of golf on the calendar. I, I could not be more elated to be talking about what I consider to be my favorite golf tournament of the year. I think I speak for about 86% of the golfing population when I say the Masters is the golf tournament. Uh, unless you're Gary Player and you say it is firmly the fourth best major uh, uh, you know, out there, um, I think most people would say the week in Augusta, Georgia is tough to beat and there's nobody i'd rather be previewing this week's action with than my good friend chris (sighs) dur mr dur it's great to see you it's great to hear you how goes it how are you feeling with uh first tee shots for round number one now under a week away i
1: i could not be more excited honestly i first things first thanks for having me good to be here always a pleasure love love uh Love the Masters Week and excited to talk a little Masters with you. As for my excitement level, it is it couldn't be uh, it couldn't be higher. I think I I think I might be more excited than the crazy dude in my neighborhood blowing a blowhorn right now for San Diego State, making it to the final of the NCAA tournament. I am I am over yeah. the moon excited for this year's Masters. And I feel like there's a bunch of good just a bunch. Like the world of golf is in such a great place. We've talked about it before on other podcasts, and I think that this Masters is going to be like a, a culmination of a lot of the the things that are happening in
0: our in our golf world right now. So I can't wait to see how it all folds. Yeah, I mean, for pretty obvious reasons, this one almost feels even more special, uh, or at least more of a big deal than even it has in in past years. And I, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are uh, could probably take a pretty good guess as to why. You know, it, we're coming into this Masters with a you know a, a fractured men's professional golf in a way that we've never had in our lifetimes and somehow that's made this tournament seem like an even bigger deal. Uh, so we're, we're gonna hit that in our storylines that we want to uh, are going to be looking at for this week. but before we, we jump in, brother, I guess th- this is such a nostalgic and kind of just sort of seminal golf tournament. When I think of certain masters and I think of certain guys winning, it takes me back to certain places in my own life. Like I kind of think about, hey, what was I doing in my life when, you know, Phil won his first Masters, and, and you know, I, and then I think about the. It's just, I, it's a really great kind of life benchmark to kind of look back and think about your own, you know, your own journey, whether it's on or off the golf course. And I, I guess I wanted to ask you, what? Is there like one master's memory for you that stands out above the rest, like a specific win or maybe it was a round or a player doing something in a tournament? Do you have like when you think of the masters, what what is the first thing that sort of s- pops into your subconscious? I remember
1: Trevor Immelman winning uh, in 2008. I think that was. Yes, I remember that one very, very vividly because I wanted Tiger to win really bad. I thought Tiger was going to commit the like uh complete the comeback. Uh, but Trevor just kind of shut the door on him. So I really remember that one. I remember being disappointed in the moment because I wanted Tiger to win. I was mad. I was like, who the fuck is Trevor Immelman, dude? (laughs) Uh, But I do remember that, (laughs) Masters, very vividly. I also remember the 07, the one before. I remember Tiger breaking his iron on the 11th hole over in the right trees. Uh, I remember Zach Johnson hitting good wedges. So uh, I remember thinking the same thing. I was like, God, I can't wait for Tiger to win, and Zach Johnson won, and I was like, that era of 07 to, like, 11 was just disappointing Masters for me,
0: dude. It was just yeah. one after another of me being like, God, dude, the guy that I want to win never wins. I was going to say, as big Tiger Woods stands, uh, 2007 through 2011 was not it was not the smoothest uh, time in our fanhood.
1: No, not at all. But those are the ones that I do remember very vividly. I remember all all four of those ones, 07, 08, very. I remember 07, 08, very vividly as, like, my first two uh, Masters oh, memories. Awesome. Which are still good Masters. Oh. If you look back at them, they were actually awesome Masters, but I was just so pissed off in the moment. Hey, they're better than Charles Schwartz winning. God, that, Charles Schwartz I was not happy with, but that one was still sick that he birdied
0: the last four to win. That's still just a lead. <laughs> he came can't, in hot. I, I remember I that. was actually on a golf trip. Yeah, I was on a golf trip with a couple of buddies in Monterey. We were staying at some shitty motel kind of in, like, downtown Monterey because, you know, we were, I think we were down there. I had, at the time, you know, through Golf Guide, I had passes to... I want to say like Del Monte and some other places so we were able to kind of play for free but we actually had to scrap you know the cash together as a bunch of 21 year old 22 year olds whatever it was and we we're just staying in some shitty motel and uh yeah that's and then basically watching you know not playing golf on Sunday to watch Charles Schwartzer just come and devastate all of us <laughs> prevent all the guys we wanted from when- uh anyway masters brings up hilarious memories that some you know mostly great sometimes weird but uh you know it's that's hey. that's the name of the game you know the, that is the the story, as you know, you would say, that uh, the Masters is, which leads us to storylines, Mr. Durr. Um, I, I think before we started recording, I think we both agreed that there's really mainly just kind of a couple storylines um, that we're really intrigued by heading into this year's tournament. And I kind of just wanted to talk both of those over with you before we jump into everything else. And so... Uh, I guess there's really only one place to start. I mean, both of these storylines have something to do with, like we mentioned before, men's golf being divided, fractured, if you will, into two separate entities. And in the middle of all this is one Rory McIlroy, a guy who has won four major championships. However, Rory has not won a major championship in almost a decade. I think 2014 is the last time that Rory uh, could, you know, was an active major champion Um, and he is now going to be trying to complete the career grand slam for the ninth or tenth time Um, and he's doing all this as the center of the golf universe the guy that is more or less been the key figure in holding the pga tour together among active players Um, you know i for one have been pretty surprised that he's played as well as he has early in the season, Christopher, I, given everything he's got going on, I don't even know how he has time to practice. And then he just throws a new putter into the mix at the match play, and it's like, man, could this guy put any more on his plate? And yet, despite all those things I just laid out, Mr. Durr, I actually feel as good about Rory going into this Masters as I think I have in the last five or six years. What say you?
1: I I agree. Rory has been my pick to win the Masters every year since two thousand. And like 11, I feel like I'm always <laughs> pulling for Rory. I want him to win the Masters so bad. And I think that, yeah, this year is for sure his best chance. He's been playing, uh, truly, he's been playing great golf for two years. You know, he's had, he's had truly like 24 months of just spectacular golf. Uh, and I'm hoping he can put it all together at this year's Masters. It, it's going to be a tall task because there are so many players playing awesome golf right now. But but uh but i i agree with you in the sense that this this might be as good a chance as he's had since since he was on top of the golfing world picking off majors every other time he teed it up it seemed like for a couple year stretch there so i'm super excited to see what rory brings and i think i think he i think he's like it seems to be like he's flying slightly more under the radar and i think that's exactly where he wants to be you know, people aren't really talking about the grand. I haven't heard any comments about Rory having the chance to complete the career Grand Slam. I haven't heard any th- any type of pe- people or pundits even mention that, like you know, he is going for it again this year. So, I mean, it's been it's been forever that he's been trying to get it, and I think that as long as people aren't saying that he needs to, I think that's right in Rory's little sweet spot. So, I uh, I'm just really really excited, and I truly think Rory puts better with a blade. Uh, he kind of has that like. It almost seems like he holds his hands through, like he holds the face open. It almost seems like with his putter as he comes through the the, the strike, mm-hmm. um, and I think with a blade it kind of minimizes that a little bit. So I, I'm excited to see him putting with a blade, especially for, Augustine, and its tricky greens. I have a, I have a feeling Rory's going to put the lights out and, uh, and and win. I I truly believe that.
0: Yeah, well, okay. So it's as somebody who has been using the same putter for 18 years and who's been thinking about making a putter change for the last seven. Probably has needed to make a putter change for last seven, but I use a blade, you know, I, I for anybody wondering, uh, very specifically, I use a 2005 Scotty Cameron Studio 1.5 Laguna Neck uh, with a slightly larger than average grip. Um, it's very light. Um, it, it requires a lot of feel as opposed to like a tailor-made spider like Tori had been using in the past that just is so heavy and has such a hot face, you almost felt like you only needed to bring the putter back. An inch, right? And he, and then you could hit the ball as far as you wanted to. With the greens at Augusta, Chris, I, they're so wild, and they require so much, not just knowledge, you know, course knowledge, but so much feel compared to other stops that the guys make on the PGA Tour. Do you think he made this putter change with, like, Augusta specifically in mind, thinking that he needed to have a little... He needed to be able to feel that, you know, feel the ball and feel the club head more so than he was able to with his larger thing? Or do you think it was more just a matter of I just don't like the way I'm putting. I'm just mixing it up.
1: I I don't know. I know Rory's been working with Brad Faxon a lot, and Brad Faxon is obviously a, a blade evangelist. Uh, and I think Rory. I I don't know why Rory ever went to a mallet. I think I think it was some some marketing guy told him that he needed to play a spider or like you know the MoY on this thing is going to make your distance control better or just sold him some <laughs> some 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 marketing mumbo jumbo dude and I think Rory just bought it but I think Rory is is such a traditional player right like he is just a ball striking god he plays blades you know he likes to work the ball like Rory's such a traditional player that it almost seems silly for him not to have a blade in the bag you know uh, and I think that the the feel that a blade provides will will allow him to uh just be like just put a little more free. And this is all speculation, right? But I I think that there is something to be said for that, and I think Rory's going to have, I think Rory, I think Rory, put the blade in play because he finally realized that you know what he needed this. Can you still hear the blowhorn, dude? Mike? I can definitely
0: okay. still hear it. The San Diego State fans are are unrelenting. I love the it. San
1: Diego State fans are going nuts in my neighborhood right now. I'm sorry <laughs> to anyone listening, but they're just getting random blowhorns in the back. I think dude. it's but phenomenal. It's, uh, it's just like a nice little uh, oh, it's so good. pepper in in the background. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, the oh, the single most successful player of our lifetimes and certainly the most successful player at Augusta in our lifetimes is one Eldrick Tiger Woods. And I couldn't help but notice when I was watching the match play and I was watching Rory putt, first of all, I thought he looked like he was putting better, like just immediately um, with the new putter as opposed to the old, bite. but Tiger Woods has never shifted to a mallet before. Tiger Woods is the best putter that's been playing at Augusta for the last 25 years Rory is now playing a putter that has a very similar top-line look to the Newport that Tiger Woods has been using his whole career. And I don't know, it's just really cool. It's it's cool to see guys kind of going back to the more traditional blade putter, especially, like you said, Brad Faxon is an evangelist of the blade putters. But I do really think there is something to being able to feel a lot, you know, feel the ball, feel the club face a lot more as opposed to the bigger putter that I think is – Augusta only puts a premium on that compared to anywhere else, so it'll be very interesting to see. uh, Yeah, to to see how Rory does out there. I don't. Any other thoughts on Rory before we we move on?
1: I. I think that it's inevitable that Rory will complete the career Grand Slam. I just really hope it's this year that he does it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it'd be ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous to think that Rory is not going to complete the career career Grand Slam. Uh, He's just too good, but man it the, the stars do seem to be really aligning for him this year
0: yeah and i mean and to be able to do it like we mentioned amid all of the chaos that's going on in professional golf and all the the added weight that's been put on his shoulders compared to everybody else for him to you know basically triumph and prevail despite all that uh would certainly i mean i, I know it's only 4 years ago but it would make it far and away the most Impactful Masters tournament since Tiger won in 2019, and probably if it, if that still remains first, then certainly the second most important Masters victory probably in the last 15 years. Yep.
1: And then one last yeah, thing I... on one last thing on Rory. I just thought about this. I have yep. seen some preliminary forecasts saying that it's going to be a little wet and rainy out there at Augusta. Rory does thrive uh, in dartboard c- conditions. You know, if he can fly the his irons to the pin and have it stay there, uh, that is when Rory becomes incredibly lethal. So. If it's a little soft out there, I, I like Rory's chances even more. So
0: it's a really good point, point. and it is it's it soppy out there. I mean, it's it's as soppy as a, a golf course with a you know seventy million dollars sub air system you know can 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 be. So um, yeah, really impressive. And you know, <laughs> this is actually a, been a nice little segue since we're talking to Rory. It kind of creates a perfect way to to go right into our second storyline here, which is live. Right? You know, if this is you know, Liv took off after the masters last year sir i mean the controversy with phil was at riviera last year so that was going on phil didn't play in the 2022 masters but really the exodus of all the players and the formal announcement that guys were leaving for live did not take place until after last year's masters so this is the first time we're going into the masters tournament with two very clearly defined leagues the guys on the pga tour and the guys playing live golf you know several of the world's best players play for live they have played you know we have not seen Pretty much any of these guys since the Open Championship in a tournament that actually matters, um, and so yeah. For I'm just excited to actually see everybody together. I it's almost weird. I almost feel like guilty being this excited to see them all play together because it it's making me wonder: is this almost a good thing for the majors that they're subdivided? Because now the majors just seem that much more special and that much more important compared to past years. I, I, I think
1: know. I think that two fracture like two golf leagues is, is fracturing the professional game. So I think it's hard to say that it's good, but it uh, it is definitely intriguing, right? It is definitely another, something to follow and something to see. Um, the the only thing that that would really hurt that intrigue. Would be that if this year just live guys played crappy in every major, you know, then it would then the intrigue would die immediately. Right. But if, you know, DJ picks off a win or Cam Smith is in contention on Sunday or something like that happens at the at these next four majors. um, Then, you know, there there could be a little fuel to the fire of the storyline of like live versus PGA tour at majors. But I mean, if you really go down the list of the live guys, there's there's two guys. Right. It's DJ and Cam. Are the only two guys that you would really expect to compete at major championships this year? DJ, as much as I love DJ, he is kind of on the back end of his career, and his whole thing was going to live to play less golf. So it wouldn't surprise me if DJ, I don't want to say shipped it in, but if DJ also wasn't preparing as hard as he should be or had been in the past for these big events. Um, And Cam Smith is just a huge question mark. So Lord only knows what he's doing. But I mean, he's not even playing good in live events. So.
0: No. I think and, and, and Cam Smith, by the way, I, I mean to cut you off, but Cam Smith had some very, uh, uh, you know, he's very aware of, you know, what is at stake for himself and the rest of the guys playing on the live tour. He had a quote, um, I think it was with Evan Priest or Evan, uh, um, God, I'm, I, Evan, I'm sorry, I'm I'm forgetting the, the news outlet that you report for, but I'll uh, share the quote with you. Uh, do I do it in an Australian accent or no?
1: Yeah, if you've got one.
0: I, I don't really have one, but I feel don't like... Do it it. Just, if you don't have one, don't do it. <laughs> uh, I see. Uh, Cass Smith reporting, in this, like, uh, it is important for live golfers to play well in the majors. I think it's important for us to go out there and really show a very high standard of golf, which we know we're capable of. Uh, most of us live golfers will get four cracks at it this year, and hopefully we can get a win out of it. Uh, maybe we just show a really hearty effort. I think for us, you know, internally, it's the right thing. There's a lot of chatter going around about these guys don't play real golf anymore, and I think that's BS. To be honest, I started to do the accent there. I think that's BS. To be honest, and uh, we just want to show people that, um, yeah, I, I, I think. I mean, he's. I think he's almost sugarcoating a little bit. Live has to play well. They, they have to play well to give their tour really any legitimacy, because it seems like you know now that the initial shock of Live is starting to wear off for people. I, mean, I work in golf media, dude. I, I talk to a lot of people that watch a lot of golf. I don't really know anybody that's watching live events that doesn't have to for work. Yeah, and even like, I mean, are, like, yeah, no one's watching it. It seems like. Yeah, no, no one's watching, and a lot of like you said, Cam Smith hasn't been playing that good of golf. Um, and I don't have the. Uh, someone has been putting out um, kind of all the qualification status for all the guys in live in terms of what majors over the next few years they've already qualified for, what they need to do. I'm telling you, brother, after this, after this. This upcoming Masters this week, the automatic qualifying for a lot of the live guys for the majors for the rest of this year and beyond is looking grim. I mean, really, really grim. Outside of Cam, DJ, uh, Brooks Koepka, there's really, like, uh, the major, you know, the Masters champions get the the lifelong invite as of now. But outside of the Masters and those guys that have won the tournament previously, outside of those three-year guys, like, there's not really a whole lot of live guys that are guaranteed to play in any of the other three majors beyond this year. It's it's they they need need excellent finishes at the major championships just to continue to be able to play in them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny because their their whole thing about the tour is trying to validate that it is a place where the best players play, and it is a it is a valid tour It is a va- a viable thing to compete with the PGA Tour. But yeah, if they if they can't show up at the majors, uh man it's going to be incredibly damning for the live tour as a whole and and damning for anybody watching right or anybody thinking about going or anybody on the fence about going or anybody coming up that would consider going if they can't even do anything at the majors man it's going to it's, it's going to be really tough and yeah as, especially as these guys do get filtered out like you said right because if you haven't won a major you're just plummeting down the world rankings right now and there's no way to get those back so you're just going to it's going to be very, very tough for you to get in more major fields after twenty twenty three, right? Going into twenty four and twenty five. So, um, yeah, I agree. I think Cam Smith is sugarcoating it, and I agree with what you said. It's 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 imperative that one of these live guys not only plays well, but is in contention late on Sunday at any of these majors. Because man, if it's a if it's a year of liveless leaderboards at the majors. It's going to be a very, very tough look for a product that's already not getting watched and already. I say, I, I feel
0: like if if Live does not, you know, <laughs> make a strong case that their players can contend with the other best players in the world, the Crown Prince is going to be having some serious second thoughts about his investment.
1: Oh my God, it's hard. I can't imagine he isn't already. Right? I can't imagine. I mean, I, I've
0: been reading a lot of reporting that since last year there have already been a lot of cost cutting, a lot of cost cutting going on. You know, with Live. You know, the caddies aren't being as well as taken care of as they were last year and were promised they were always going to be. You know, the parties have kind of started to disappear. I mean, it is crazy how, you know, crazy and also completely unsurprising <laughs> uh, that, that, that that Liv is starting to, uh, you know, tighten the purse strings. It's just, uh, yeah, they they have to play good, man, because if they don't, they could be, you know, is like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say I'd get joy out of watching Liv fail. I, I kind of would like it'd be amusing to watch, you know, but if that also makes it so Cam Smith just can't play any professional golf, you know, he, he's signed to a tour that doesn't exist and he's still suspended from the PGA tour. And we just have some of the best golfers in the world, like him and DJ, basically not able to play professional golf. That's that's terrible. I don't I don't want to see that happen. So that, that's the only fear that I have for live going under uh, whether or not that's valid. I, I don't know.
1: I think that's totally valid. As a, as someone who enjoys watching golf, I think that's a very reasonable thing to be a, a scared of, right? A, like afraid of, especially for two guys that are like wildly interesting. Like, I mean, people think DJ isn't interesting, but I find him incredibly interesting, right? Like he's he's a golf savant. He plays. He's a genius with the way he plays. I find it incredibly entertaining to watch. And then Cam Smith has a fucking mullet and drinks beers and likes to go fishing, dude. So like, eh, like I, it's just that's also wildly entertaining as well. And uh, cannot hit fairways to save his life. So it's just like. It's just yeah, they're two very very interesting golfers and and uh and the golf world is better when they both play well, but I think that the tour that they play on is not um helping them play good golf. So Correct. this one, we'll see. We'll see how they do, man, but I am a I'm actually I wouldn't even say I am like nervous about it. I'm I am not optimistic, right? I'm I'm think that, I think it's actually going to be a pretty bad showing from the LIV boys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where like I hope you're right, but I also kind of hope you're wrong just because when Cam Smith is playing really good golf, he's fucking fun to watch, man. 100%. Um all right. Speaking of Cam Smith, let's 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 try to focus on the players that we are really gonna want to watch. I, I I think Cam Smith is certainly in that, especially given how little real competitive golf we've gotten to watch, you know, see him play since last July. Um All right, I made a list for us, man. The top ten players that we're gonna be wanting to watch going into the 2023 masters in no particular order uh, but i think it, i was going to mention this when we were talking to rory you know I, I think it's it's safe to say there's a very definitive three best players in the world right now is is that safe to say
1: yeah i mean yeah and i i know exactly who you're talking about but yeah there are very very th- those three guys are very clearly separated from the pack
0: right and between you know, scotty scheffler john rom and rory mcelroy I, th- I would agree with you in that, despite all the attention that Rory McIlroy has been getting, his quest to win the Grand Slam has almost kind of been quiet and sort of uh, under the radar. And what's weird is that all three of the best players in the world, I think, you could make an argument that they're all flying a little bit under the radar. I mean, if the Masters had taken place six weeks ago, John Rahm would not be under the radar because he was the hottest golfer on the planet. It seems like he, he won every golf tournament that he was playing in on the West Coast swing, and then... You know, a stomach bug, a withdrawal at the players, you know, still dealing with some stomach issues. You just haven't really seen much of him in the last couple of weeks, but he's still very clearly one of the very best golfers in the entire world. Um, and then Scotty Scheffler, I mean, shit, dude, there's no way he should be flying under the radar, but given everything that's going on with the storylines we were talking about with Liv, I mean, Tiger Woods is going to be playing again this year. I mean, for somebody who is coming into the Masters as the defending champion, boat raced the entire field last year, and then you take a look, he's like, he is literally in the exact same form right now that he was when he went into last year's Masters and basically turned it into an uncompetitive golf tournament. And somehow, I feel like there's not enough people talking about Scotty Scheffler either. Like, How are the three best players in the world all seemingly kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, they definitely could win. But it's like, no, no, these guys are the guys. It's weird because they even though
1: those guys are the guys and they are very clearly the three best players in the world right now and they are playing better than everybody else uh you you'd be lying if you didn't admit that if uh Morikawa or JT or Spieth or uh Homa if any one of those guys gets hot they're they they are the best player in the world right if they have a hot week they can all play to the ability of the best player in the world. Rom, Scheffler and Rory have done it at a much more consistent level. And that's why they have separated from the pack. But man, if Beeth gets hot or Xander gets hot or Max Homa gets hot, they can boat race the field as well. You know? So, so I think it's almost like you have to be almost cautious when thinking about those three best guys, because like, yes, they are the best and they are separating, but they also, you know, could get boat raced by any one of those guys. If one of those other guys has a really hot week, which they're all capable of doing. Right. So it is, it is, it, it does feel like those three guys have separated, but it does also feel like a pretty wide-open Masters when you look down the list, just because there are so many guys that are in form and do have the ability to separate when they're playing their best golf.
0: I, I don't know if you answered this question already when we were talking about McIlroy uh, at the top of the pod. Between Scheffler, John Rom, and Roy McElroy, is there w- one of those three that you think has a better chance to win than the other two going into the masters. I think it'd be ignorant to not to not say Scotty. Yeah. Like
1: Scotty's. it's, I would agree. It's unreal how good he's playing. Obviously I love Rory and obviously I'm pulling for Rory, but, uh, but it'd be ridiculous to, to say anybody, but Scotty Scotty is the last 18 months of golf of what Scotty's done is, is truly remarkable stuff. Like he's playing very, very inspired golf. He's already won a masters, uh, The course sets up so good for his style of play. It's 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 a no brainer, man. Like no, I don't think anybody would be surprised if Scotty picked up back to back Masters again. And he's already shown a propensity to uh, give title defenses a very good run this year. So um, it would be
0: wild if Scotty Scheffler was the first back to back champion since Tiger Woods. Would be insane. With all how many great golfers we have for Scotty to be the guy would be wild.
1: And, I mean, dude, he had a great run at the match play, great run at Bay Hill, and did it at waste management. So, it's like, I mean, he... Clear- oh, by the way, he won the players, too. And he won the players. Just, <laughs> yeah, just pepper that like, one in. That wasn't like, a back-to-back, though. That wasn't a defense, dude. So, it's... it's yeah, sorry. We, we rated yeah. on a lower level. Um, you're right. No, no yeah, you're no. right. But, uh, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's absurd, dude. Like, he's playing unbelievably inspired golf. and And he clearly is one of those guys that when a course sets up well for him, he knows how to... Uh, extract, like, the maximum potential from that, right? Like, some people... Like, similar to what Tiger used to do at Tory Pines, right? Where you knew Tiger was always going to be near the top of the leaderboard at Tory Pines. Scotty is clearly showing the ability to do that at courses that he fits on, which um, you'd, it'd be hard to say that Augusta isn't one of those courses for him.
0: He's only played in the Masters three times. That, he won the masters and his He won the Masters on his third try, and he's never finished outside the top 20. The last three years, starting in 2020... uh Scotty Sheffer, T-19, T-18 win.
1: Insane, dude. Insane.
0: <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Whereas, like, John Rahm over the past five years, uh, fourth place in 2018, then a T-9, T-7, T-5, 27th. Has not missed the cut in the last five years. Last year's 27th place finish is the only time in the last five years that Rahm has finished outside of the top ten. As for McElroy, um, a little, you know, a little bit, you know, higher peak and a little bit lower valley. Uh, more McElroy, the last five years, T5, T21, T5, missed cut, solo second. <laughs> it's like, pretty, like, the, I, any of these guys could win, obviously, but man, it's just, I have no idea what, I, I'm I so excited to watch this golf tournament because anything could happen. I, I I feel less sure about any one thing than I feel like I have in the past, which just, gets me more excited to watch this golf tournament.
1: 100%. I think this is I'm, this is going to be one of the most exciting Masters ever, uh, and I'm, I'm frothing at the bit for it to start. I can't wait for live from this week. I can't wait for it all. But uh, it's insane how – I mean, like, Rory's, Rory's record in the last five ma- Masters, you'd say it's, like, the worst of the three, and he still has three top fives in the last five years. So it's just, like – It's crazy. It's insane, dude. It's insane. Like – the guy clearly. Who else could be basketball. that much of
0: a disappointment with all those te- with all those top five finishes? It's true, Masters. man. We
1: hold him to a ridiculous standard that we're like, man, you know, it's been a tough couple of years for Rory. Three top fives. It's like, anyway, yeah. He's been bawling. He's been balling out of control. Yeah. I, uh... yeah, I don't know. If you, I, I, I think, my heart says picking Rory out of those three. My gut, my head says picking Scotty. Who are you taking out of those three? If it's Rom,
0: uh, Scheffler, or Rory? I mean, my head certainly says Scheffler. I mean, like, I mean. Based on what we saw last year, I mean, it's hard to argue that he's not in, like I mentioned, almost the exact same form that he was last year when he went on to, what, four-putt the 18th hole on Sunday and still win by multiple shots? Yes. I mean, it's 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 just crazy how much better he was than everybody else last year, and he looks to be playing just as good a golf right now. Um, my heart is kind of like you where I, you know, I'm pulling for McElroy, although I do think... Watching John Rahm win the Masters would be so much fun, especially if he needs a dogfight on Sunday and you start to see him get a little emotional and try to bring that inner Seve out. That, I think, would make for some unbelievably compelling golf, as compelling, if not more so, than um, you know either of the other guys. I, I do think I, I, of those top three guys, I'd like to see McElroy win, but I think if I'm putting shekels down uh, on the outcome, I'm betting my money on Scotty Scheffler, among those top three players in the world,
1: it's impossible not to bet on Scotty Scheffler. I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. All right. So if we're staying with the top ten players that we're watching, you know, with the the mind of, of winning this week, let's go to uh, three young top ten players in the world on the PGA tour. Let's look at Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, and uh, your hometown guys, Xander Shoffley. Uh, between those three guys, initial thoughts: Who do you like? What do you think are these guys' chances to to thrive this week?
1: I think z- I it's. It's hard not to pick Xander there, right? Like, it's really hard not to pick Xander there. I think Xander's, uh, for as much flack as Xander gets uh, for not winning big events or not winning enough events, he's clearly a proven player on big stages. Um, so mm-hmm. his game just always seems to, like, the, like, his game always seems to rise at the big events, right? He always seems to be there, be relevant at big events. Um, he's flying under the radar again this year. He's not really playing his best golf, but he's not playing bad golf, I wouldn't say. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see Xander have a great week this week, and I, I think he is actually going to have a great week this week. So I, I doesn't, it,
0: doesn't it seem like Xander's not playing great golf by his standard, but still seems like he's been in the mix in like three or four tournaments already this year. Of
1: course, he's always he's always so, there. His floor is so high, right? He's got such a high floor that it's just it's his game is just always going to be relevant at PGA Tour events, and it seems to rise at major championships. So I think. I think that's another one of. It's hard to argue and say that he's a sleeper pick, but he's definitely one of the more slept-on picks right now. I think.
0: You know, I, I'm wondering if my stats that I have written down for Shoffley might be a little bit off because it looks here by my standards that I have Shoffley with a T50 in 2019, but I remember him being in the mix when Tiger won in 2019. So maybe, may, maybe I'm a little off, but it look from what I have written down here. So you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the last four years, Shoffley, we have like T50, T2. T seventeen, T three,
1: yeah. He, is he that right? Yeah, he uh, he T yeah. I mean, he was in it when Tiger had a chance to. When Tiger won, he was in it. Remember, he hit it in the water on sixteen. that uh, yeah. was right there. That's what, that's finished, right. finished second that year. So uh, maybe maybe the years are just a maybe little... I,
0: maybe I'm, yeah. I just think I just haven't moved up a year. Yeah, maybe just uh, haven't moved
1: up a year. But he did play great yeah. that year, and he played great last year. Like got, the
0: guy's multiple top five finishes at, at Augusta in the last couple of years. He he is yeah. If he's playing good, he should be in
1: the mix. Exactly, and he will be, and I think he will be in the mix. His putter is just always so good, and his iron play is always so solid. So it's like those two things will keep you in Augusta National all the time. So don't be surprised to see Xander Xander up there, and I think Xander's the better one out of those three guys. Um, I'm not super confident in Justin Thomas right now. Yeah, I
0: I wanted to ask you, man, what what do you think is up with Justin Thomas right now? I, I feel like I haven't really watched a single golf tournament this year, and as we mentioned in the podcast we did a few weeks ago, I've been watching a lot of golf this year. I'm always so excited to watch Justin Thomas play, and it just feels unimportant.
1: Yeah. I, his driver is weak right now. He was getting out driven by Rory and Tiger at Riviera. Like it's 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 and it seems to be like his his total driving and his distance are all down this year. So I think something's going on with the driver where he's not hitting it greater. Maybe that's a sign of being injured. You know, maybe like his body's not yeah. not working the way that it. That should. would not
0: surprise me given how he's been playing. It, An injury would actually make a lot of sense. And he has I hope it's not the case. But
1: me too. And he hasn't explicitly said that. I have heard. We haven't heard anything from his camp about him being injured. But I mean, to to have such a stark drop off in your driving performance both in distance and accuracy like leads me to speculate that you might have some kind of lingering injury going on that you're not telling us about right because it's really like there's no justin thomas was a bomber for the longest time was top 10 in distance and accuracy forever you know as a small guy and he's outside the top 30 now in both you know so it's like what what's going on there's no reason there's no way that tiger should be out driving you consistently right tiger's 40 has no back and minus one leg like, he can't, he shouldn't be hitting the ball harder than young, able-bodied Justin <laughs> Thomas, dude. And he was nuking it past him at Riv, you know? So, um, so I don't know. I, I I, just want JT to figure it out on his own. I want him to be right and get right and play good because the world is better when JT is playing better golf. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he missed the cut and played poor, poorly this week, you know? It, it just doesn't yeah. seem like he's got the his tip-top game right now.
0: Yeah. Any thoughts on Morikawa?
1: I don't know about Morikawa. I love Morikawa. I like his game. Uh, he seems to be playing decently right now too. But played great last year. Had that memorable hole out with Rory in the bunker. I uh, I just need I God I I want to say I need to see it for Morikawa, but he's also won two majors, so I've already seen it. <laughs> um, so I I don't know. I think if I had to say, I think Morikawa's going to play great this week, but uh, but I I don't know why. I just I just I just think he's he's another one of those big game hunters who knows how to show up at the big events.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like this is always the case with Colin Morikawa, but the putter is going to be the difference whether he wins or is in the top five or he's not. Because, I mean, the one thing we know about Augusta is the single biggest predictor of success within this tournament are, you know, if you're looking at shots gained, is approach, right? Your, your approach is into the green. Oddly enough, I was reading, I don't know if it was Justin rat. I was reading another article on PGAtour.com in terms of, you know, what stats correlate the best, you know, most to success at Augusta National, Hitting fairways does not matter a whole lot because I think the rough at Augusta is certainly less penal than it is at a lot of other places on tour. But you, if you are going to miss fairways or whether you hit the fairways, you've got to be nuts. You got to be stones uh, on your approach shots. And I don't know, outside of Tiger Woods, I mean, who else would you rather take with you know a shot from one sixty five to you know get within ten feet to save your life? I, Colin Morikawa is up there. So if if the putter is working, uh, anything is possible. Um, but I. Personally, I haven't seen a ton of evidence, at least so far this golf season, to make me think that the putter is going to be there. But, again, the same could be said for both of his major wins, right? It's not like he was playing, you know, lights-out golf going into the that PGA Championship or, or his Open win. So, if the putter gets hot, look out. But, man, it sure makes it tough if you're, like, trying to gamble or something like that on Morikawa because it just— <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason as to whether the putter is going to be hot or not.
1: Or rhyme or reason as to why he plays good at certain places, right? Like, we've seen him play great at TBC Harding Park, which is just like a most like a classic PGA Tour setup. Thick rough, like fast greens, like in the cold. And then we've seen him play great at like Royal St. George's and win an open, right? It's like there's no... There's no, it's crazy. there's no rhyme or reason as to where he plays good. It's just one of those things that his game can translate to any golf course at any time. So if his game is on, it will show up. But if it's not, it won't. You know, like it's, it's just, yeah. He's he doesn't he's not a horse for course kind of guy. Like more so like Scotty seems to be. You know, more just is, yeah. if it's on, it's on and it's gonna play no matter what course he's playing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so those are our three, you know, PGA Tour, you know, top ten guys in the world under thirty. Um, let's go for a couple of internationals while we're sticking with these top 10 players that we're watching. I mean, these are not necessarily the top 10 players in the world, but just the top 10 players that I think we're most excited to watch that think have a chance to win this thing. Uh, for internationals, we've talked about Cam Smith, uh, a little bit already. Let's add Shane Lowry to the mix. He's been playing some really good golf. Cam Smith, uh, his last five masters appearances, T5, T51, T2, T10, T3. Is that good? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, and then Shane Lowry uh, had a couple of missed cuts in there in 2020 and 20, 2019. Uh, has never really played great at the Masters, but he's an Open champion. Augusta National certainly plays a lot more like a Lynx course or a, a sandbelt course in Cam Smith's case than almost any other place the guys on the PGA Tour or in the major championships play with any kind of regularity. I think that means both of these guys, if they're playing halfway decent, have a great chance
1: yeah i i'm not I'm not so bullish on shane lowry i, I he's he like you said, he hasn't played great there, and I do need a little bit of a, a like I need to see it from Shane okay. you know uh cam Smith, we've talked about him with our live takes, so I'm not going to rebeat a dead horse there, but uh yeah i I, I don't know about Shane Lowry just because I don't know what he does good. He like you know, like I like Shane is just one of those guys that plays good, but he's not—he's not like an exceptional iron player. He's not an exceptional driver. He does have an exceptional short game, which always plays at Augusta, right? But yeah, at a certain point, right? You're although
0: he's always had that good short game, but it hasn't really necessarily. He hasn't translated any top twenty finishes, so
1: it, it's a great point. I think it's just part of the thing that he's not the best iron player in the world. So even if your short game is elite, if you hit a couple bad irons around there, if you have one bad iron shot a day that puts you in a bad spot, there you're you could be the best short game in the world, man. You're not making you're not making par, you know. And if yeah. you're just and it, at, at Augusta, you know, you kind of ha- can't be, you can't leak, right? You can't really because the the field is always going to be kind of moving forward. You know, that does a the, Augusta does a really good job of like you know letting the players continue to make their trek to toward, towards whatever the winning score is going to be right and if you leak at all or misstep at all it, it's it's pretty hard to catch back up right like if you're not going yeah. if you're not going to make if you're not one of those guys that can make birdies and bunches which Shane Lowry isn't it's really hard to come, to catch back up once you once you falter a little bit on the on the pace even if it's early right even if it's a Thursday or Friday pace that's set
0: yeah for sure um, okay if we're sticking with the the last of these top 10 guys before we go to the rest of the field here um, Two younger American players. One is here because he's playing exceptional golf. The other one is here because he just seems like he brings out the, the fairy dust every time he steps on Augusta. Max Homa and Jordan Spieth. W- Again, one of these guys is a Masters champion, three-time major champion. The other one seemingly never plays well in majors, but is also playing some of the best golf in the world right now. I- I- I'm We love both these guys. Um, you specifically, Really love, you know, Max Homa. I'm pretty confident you're a big Giordo fan. How do you feel about Max Homa going into this year's Masters, given his major championship history, but also considering how unbelievably well he seems to be hitting the golf ball right now?
1: Max is one of those guys that his progression through professional golf has been much slower than a lot of these other young guys, right? Like, he's on the more traditional, old-school, 80s player trajectory right where you learn the golf courses on the pga tour in your 20s and you learn your game and then in your 30s you start to thrive and play good and compete in majors you know and then your peak is sometime around 33 34 35 right like that was that remember we used to hear that all the time when we were kids and like that was like the 80s and yes. 90s model of a pga tour player and max homa seems to be fitting into that model a lot better than any of the phenom models that we've seen uh, become more popularized in the last 15 years so I
0: back when 180 mile per hour ball speed wasn't a prerequisite to win.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Back in the glory days. <laughs> Shot making. Um, uh, so I I am cutting Max Homa a lot of slack, A, because I'm a fan and then B, because he seems like I said, he seems to be on that trajectory. So this is the first time Max Homa has been playing excellent golf leading into a major season. So I think oh, a good year in the majors for Max would just be to be in contention, right? Whether that means top twenties or top tens, I think he he just needs to find a way to get himself into contention. So I do not really have high expectations for him this year at the Masters. I don't think he's really going to make a push to win. I don't think he's really going to be a threat. But I would really like to see like a like a solid T eight finish from Max, you know, or like a tall a solid mm-hmm. like T eleven finish from Max. And I think that that's just one of those things where if we can get four top twenty major showings out of Max, I'm sure he'll look at that as a disappointment. But it's it's progressing and steps in the right direction for the progression of his golf career which i think will just yield eventually a major win at some point right i think he's too good not to but i think it'd be ridiculous yeah. to think that all the floodgates are going to open all of a sudden right now just because he clearly is not very proven in major championships
0: yeah i mean Max Homa has played in the masters three times he has two missed cuts and he finished t48 last year yeah come on so yeah. he's got a lot of room for improvement but i i go back to the players man the players actually showed me a ton of It gave me a lot of confidence that Max Homa is going to be in the hunt in really big tournaments because, in the players, it seemed like he wasn't really playing good golf really at all. He seemed like he was missing a bunch of stuff. He was kind of grinding, you know, didn't, you know, made the cut, but not by like a ton. He wasn't, you know, on the first page of the leaderboard. But he's, you know, he's now become one of those guys that you just can't count out because he's going to grind. He's going to put up the numbers. He has to. And then on Sunday, all of a sudden he finds something and all of a sudden he just starts going on a run. Yep right? You know, a, a guy, you know, just a really good guy that doesn't necessarily have to play great golf to be towards the head of the pack. I mean, that's what makes Rory, you know, and Rom and Scotty Sheffer so great is even when they don't have their A game, they're so talented and they're so good that they still find a way to keep themselves near the top of the leaderboard. So if and when they do start to find it, they can boat race everybody. And I'm starting to feel like Max may have a little something like that in him, which is, really exciting um for Jordo. god i don't want to get my hopes up man I, honestly other than Roy mcelroy i think i'd probably get the most satisfaction out of jordan spieth winning from the non-tiger woods division but i just have no idea what to expect man I, the guy's a fucking roller coaster ride uh it's it, it honestly it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be such a fun masters okay. for jordan <laughs> yeah it's gonna be such a fun ma-
1: I, I agree like Jordan Spieth would be high on my on my happiness scale of winners, dude. I would be ecstatic if Jordan Spieth won the Masters because I dude, He's so much fun to watch win. He's so much fun to watch play. Uh, Lord only knows what he's going to do. You could tell me. Uh, you could tell me Jordan's going to shoot eighty in round one. I'd be like, makes sense. And you could tell me he's going to shoot sixty in round one, and I'd be like, makes perfect sense, dude. Obviously. <laughs> so it's just like, who else on the top twenty players in the world has a twenty shot dispersion that is believable and scores they could potentially shoot at Augusta National, right? Like. It's it's exciting. It's thrilling. It's enthralling. I can't take my eyes off it. And I uh, I I think I'm at a point with Jordan and my love for Jordan where everything that happens now is just like a cherry on top, right? Because I spent so many years like pulling for him and rooting for him and trying to figure out why it wasn't what it was. And now I'm at a point where it's like, dude, it might never be what it was, but that's okay because it's always going to be awesome. You know, it's it's, it is always it's always going to be entertaining. That is for sure. It's going to be awesome. You could
0: watch Michael Greller's hair get grayer. As, as you know, as as he's walking around the golf course, it's really incredible, dude. It's insane. Um, like,
1: the, I mean, just like the shot of him almost falling in on the in the cove on eight at Pebble. Like, it's just there's always something going on, dude. There's always his, the way he always chips in the at the players, dude. Like hitting a guy, then blasting three wood up there, then chipping in to make the cut. It's like, dude, what are we watching? Like, I don't even know what this is, dude.
0: It's funny because this is not based on any like actual stats. I'm just I'm just saying this purely based off. You know, watching Jordan Spieth play a lot over the last couple of months, it actually seems like he's hitting the ball really good. Uh, you know, barring a couple of those shots where he's ricocheting off fans, you know, and their cell phones and things like that. But man, it feels like every time I see Jordan putt or Jordan Spieth with an important six foot putt, it doesn't go in. Yeah. And it's just it's so counterintuitive to when he was at his apex. Uh, it, I don't, is it crazy to think that there's some sort of magic out at Augusta that he sort of just starts to feel the putter again? I don't know. But, man, if he could just start to be really solid from eight feet in, I'd l- I fucking love his chances to win.
1: Yeah, I, I do, too. I uh, I agree with the putting thing. I agree with Jordan Speed having magic at Augusta. I, I uh I hope. I really hope that he that because he is hitting the ball great. I, I think objectively he is hitting the ball great. With all those years when Jordan was playing his best golf and everyone was saying he was the best putter in the world, he was. He was also hitting irons to twelve feet like it like
0: it was literally his job.
1: And so yeah. he, I think that he's getting his. Uh, it, it, it's
0: it's easy to be a really good putter when you just have uphill twelve foot putts all day. fourteen times around exactly. Dude. So
1: <laughs> I think with the I think with the the ball striking trending in the right direction i think that ticks a box that will yield more made putts especially for a guy like jordan who knows how to put his irons in the right place at augusta so i mean yeah jordan's one of those guys that could have 18 uphill putts uh over the course of 18 holes at augusta you know and and make half of them and it's just like it's like a little year patrick reed won, right like he was just going crazy shot nine under on the uh on sunday and was just making everything like that magic is there waiting for Jordan at Augusta. He just needs to channel it. And, we, and if there's anybody we know that can channel it, it's definitely him.
0: Thank you again to Chris. Man, I just, I'm having a tough time controlling my excitement. I'm, I'm already planning out how I'm going to not do anything else other than watch golf. All of next weekend. Easter, I believe, is on Sunday. There's going to be a lot of family gatherings. I hope you are going to be spending the holiday in the company of some fellow golf fans who not only understand how wonderful it is to be watching golf at Augusta National, but also are equally excited to watch with you. We'll be back here in the next uh, couple of days with part two of our Master's Preview podcast, so please stay tuned for that. If you have not already, I'd like to kindly ask to show your support for this podcast by either subscribing or following on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever it might be that you like to enjoy your podcasts. And this podcast is also sponsored by Suave Golf. If you like playing beautiful golf courses, courses that challenge the mind and the soul, it's going to be hard to do because it is ultimately just a golf course. But if you are a sicko like me, you are invited to join myself and the rest of the Suave Golf Team at any and all of our golf sabbaticals that we put together going forward. We're gonna be traveling to Pinehurst, North Carolina. We'll be playing pine needles, southern pines and mid pines. It's gonna be a lot of fun. You can check out more information and sign up for that by visiting our sabbaticals page at suavegolf.com. With that, enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody. Enjoy Masters Week I'll look forward to being back with you here in 48 hours or so. And until then, enjoy your week at the Masters.